Welcome once again to All Rise, true stories from around the courthouse, from the lady who wrote everything down. That lady is my good friend, Diane Godfrey. I'm Jordan Rich, local Boston area broadcaster and podcaster, and I really enjoy sitting down with Diane, meeting some of her amazing guests, and talking with her about cases. Now, before we get to today's case, Diane welcomes your comments, your questions. If you have a particular case you'd like us to talk about, please email her, allrisediane at gmail.com. We'd love love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear your reviews. Again, allrisediane at gmail.com. Diane, let me first of all wish you and all of our listeners from around the world a happy 2022. Back at you, Jordan. <laughs> Have you been looking at the stats? We've got people from all over the world now tuning in. You know, Jordan, because it's a new year, like everybody else, you kind of reflect on what you're doing and where you are. And as I was looking at the statistics, I know there are listeners out there because I can see where they're coming from. Do you know that we have 195 listeners from Brazil? We have people from Germany, New Zealand, Australia, the UK, um, North Africa. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love you to drop me a line, what you think, what, what your feelings are on this podcast. I kind of feel it's one-sided, like you and I sit in a room and we do have a great time, but I would hope that 2022 will morph into a more back and forth with people. And let's tell folks the best way. I know email is a great way to connect with you. You want to do Absolutely. that first? Tell us about that. Well, you can get me at allrisediane at gmail.com. AllRiseDiane at gmail.com. Easy to remember. Do <laughs> you want to spell it out, Jordan? A-L-L-R-I-S-E, Diane, D-I-A-N-E, at gmail.com. There you go. And you know, this is going to sound corny, but it has to be said. There's no other way, so I'm just going to say it. I treasure each and every person that takes the time, their free time, which people don't have a lot of free time, to listen to us. I'm honored that people dig us. Well, you, you've got to realize, uh, and the audience, I think, is growing because there's so much interest in what you have to say and your background and your experience and the way you deliver a story is out of sight. But uh, this is probably the hottest category of of podcasting in the world, true crime, and that's what we talk about. So y you launched at just the right time, and uh, we want to thank all the listeners who are telling others. And I think another good thing to remind people is they can rate and review the podcast, and five-star reviews really go a long way. If it's stinky, I ask you not to do it. <laughs> that's typical. <laughs> it's not stinky. So um, one, of, one of the things that we've been doing in the last, say, five or six months, and they've been both in person and virtual, depending on the needs, is we've taken the show on the road. And you really are responsible for putting all this together. Explain what we've been doing and what we want to do more of. Well, we, as you know, we're a Boston-based, you know, podcast. We have been making the rounds to libraries in the greater Boston area and beyond now. And word has caught on because the people must like it because we're getting solicitations from libraries in the state asking us to come and speak. And it's a lot of fun. So if anyone, it necessarily, it doesn't have to be a library because you and I also do other venues. We have done private settings for, you know, the elderly and different groups. So if anyone wants to hire us, we're completely reasonable <laughs> and we would love to come. It's not thousands of dollars. So don't and, let and that 
I got to tell folks, I mean, I do a lot of speaking, obviously, in my work, but people are just fascinated. Some sit with their mouths open when you start talking about some of these famous cases and in, infamous cases that they may not have heard of. So, uh, allrisediane at gmail.com. Connect with us if you have an invitation or a question or something you'd like Diane to talk about, some area of the court behind the scenes or in front of it. Give us give us word on that. So. Well, that brings me to another um, thing is when I went into a local library about a month ago, I had to bring her paperwork for our upcoming presentation. And this person comes out of her office and says, I heard your voice. I recognized it. So I followed your voice. She's like, I love your podcast. I binge listen to it. But she said to me, I have questions. I always have questions when I'm listening. And I was delighted for that feedback. And that was like the catalyst for this whole thing that you and I today are opening up the, you know, the channels of back and forth for the listeners. Mm -hmm. Because she said to me, I want to know how you get court assignments. And another um, hairstylist that works across the street from where I live, she's lovely. She enjoys the podcast. And she said to me, I listen to the Sean Ellis um, with Rosemary Scarpaccio podcast. And I want to know where those Boston policemen that were mentioned in the story are today. So I put a call in to attorney Scarpaccio and uh, she's extremely busy, I'm sure, but she's right on the pulse and she will get back to me timely so I can share with the listeners an update on that story. Yeah, there are a lot of cases that were sort of settled and then things happened after the fact and we will do that throughout the year. Diane will research everything thoroughly and do that. So thank you for those of you who have inquired about things like that. So this is a brand new year. Let's reintroduce some of these things. And let's start with that question that that young lady had. How do you get assigned to a particular case, uh, whether it be a high profile or not? Okay. And I I sympathize with people if they can't follow what I'm saying, because it's convoluted. But when I was a state worker employee, it was the way we were given cases is far different than today as I'm a freelance employee. I'm not an employee. I'm a freelance vendor. So I can tell you both. Back in the day when I worked for the state, there was a list that would be generated and it would have the name of the judge, the courtroom and whether it was civil or criminal. And it would start with it would go to the highest senior court reporter. She would fill out where she wanted to be for the next month. And then it would go to the next senior official. Now, I had worked there for a long time, but I was always on the bottom rung. There were only like one or two people underneath me because in state employee, for the most part, people don't leave. They stay like 30 or 40 years. So that's the way that we would get assigned. Now, you'd say to yourself on this list, who do you choose? Like if you're looking at the list, where do I want to work next month? This is going to sound so crazy, but it's meat and potatoes. The judge that gives you a full lunch hour and stops at the four (laughs) o'clock hour is who you pick. Honest to God. Literally meat and potatoes. That's who you. And now another thing. Now, there were two other things that would kind of go into it. One would be if you got word that that judge was going to be out for a portion of that next month, you wouldn't touch that session with a 10 foot pole. Why not? Because you'd be a sitting duck. It would, it's untenable what would happen. You would be in, now your judge is out on a vacation or whatever, which they absolutely have a right to. It's no reflection on the judge, but the way that the system was set up, 
you would get a call. Court's supposed to be in session at nine. You'd get a call at 20 past nine. You'd get a frantic call. Diane, get down to courtroom 906. They're waiting. Like nobody, like if nobody knew that they were going to need a court reporter at that moment in that courtroom. So now the judge is walking with his or her hands folded, irate that they're late, that they're not starting. So the reality of it is me, the court reporter who has to rush to that because I'm available because my judge is away on vacation. I'm all of a sudden the go-to person and I'm happy to cover. But what happens is Jordan, I have to go to my courtroom that is dark and locked. I don't have a key to it. So I have to run around the building and look for a court officer to let me in the courtroom. And I'm on my hands and knees feverishly trying to pack up. It's kind of like, you know, in the movies when like you're in a hotel room and like, you know, the FBI is at you and you're trying to, you know, quickly pack and get out of there. You're like a fool. Then you go and you're waiting for the elevator and the elevator isn't coming and you walk in and everyone's waiting and they're ticked off beyond belief. You're on your hands and knees and you're like, excuse me, you're under like a table looking at like lawyer's feet trying to get to like a plug to plug your stuff in the poor court officer. He has, he or, or she has heat from the judge. It's not their fault. They're over you going, when are you going to be ready? When are you going to be ready? It's like a courtroom of people staring at you. It's gross. <laughs> so you don't know who the players are. It's like reading a book from the middle. It, it's just chaotic and it's crazy to fully answer the question because I am no longer in state employee. When I was on the payroll, the list would come by and would sign off on it every month. But it's completely different now. I get phone calls from the court asking me to come in and cover predominantly murder trials. And I truly don't have any idea how they decide they need a court reporter. All I know is I get a call that they need me and I go in. I'm assuming that attorneys that are going to be defending these cases or the DA will find the need for a court reporter. And that's how I make my way to the courtroom today. Can I follow up with something you mentioned? And I know you did this just naturally. You said she in referring to the court reporters. How many males in general do this kind of work percentage wise? From an uneducated guess, Mm -hmm. 5%, 10%. Pretty small number. Okay. I'll tell you one thing. The guys are crackerjacks. Everyone that we ever had were phenomenal, phenomenal court reporters. Yeah. Good to know. All right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, questions that have come up, including that of depositions versus in-court reporting. uh, We always see people taking, you know, copious notes at a deposition. What's the difference? Well, before I answer it, can I just put in one disclaimer here? If there are any court reporters listening... This is my experience in my career. I know thing I talk to court reporters, you know, once in a while. Like I've talked to them in North Carolina. They have a completely different landscape down there. They have a they have a lovely landscape down there. Like I'm just talking about me. So I don't want to hear the tongues wagging. I'll get all this hate mail. That isn't how it <laughs> that's how I lived it. And this is just my opinion. Right, and I'm just right. going with it. Gotcha. So I do digress, don't I? What, what did you ask me, Jordan? Uh, we do, uh, just the difference between a, an experience doing a deposition, I mean, and versus a courtroom. Obviously, we understand the experience itself has to be different. The environment is different. But what is physically and, and structurally different about those two assignments? A, a, a deposition doesn't take place in a courthouse. 
actually a deposition has to I've done a deposition in a courtroom, but it was like somebody that was not going to be available that was there for trial and wasn't going to be available for a darn good reason the next day. So they took their deposition right in the courtroom and I typed it up and it was put before the jury from my transcript. I see. But stuff like that will happen. But a deposition is you're under oath and there's very strict rules. It is a, you know, a legal proceeding and it's a question and answer. It's usually done in a lawyer's office and I've done many of them. Yeah. Um, and then a trial is very, very different. A deposition, you have to get that transcript right out within like eight to 10 days, sometimes a few days. Now, the difference is if you get a court um, trial transcript, sometimes it's three, four, and six months before they even order it after the trial took place. Here's a good question then to follow up on, and that is, you said that you have eight to 10 days. What are you doing in that eight to 10 day period, let's say with a deposition in terms of the, the piece itself? What what needs to be done to it? You need to get it ready. Yeah, to get it ready. For, for presentation to, to submit it. Yeah. Well, I wish that people could see me right now because I'd show you the room I go in. It's like a tomb. And you're by yourself for hours, hours. And it's grunt work, and it's tedious. Is it? I know, but I do love it. But is it structurally hard. like putting it in terms of a format so that it's readable? Is that what you mean? Or? Well, we have. I have a template, and I have two different templates because the depositions are different than the than the court. Like for instance, I can show you Jordan because you're yeah, here. Right. This is. See this. Yes. This, it looks like a book report you did in high school. Yes. That's what it looks like. Or if you ever picked up a script when you were in a play. Sure. You open it up and it says curtain opens. Well, you're, you know. you're, you're mimicking, not mimicking, but you're copying the, the actual words of the characters or the real people involved. Exactly. Right. Verbatim. And Verbatim. you know, you get one bite at the apple. They come fast and furious over your head. You got to grab them and that's it. That's all you got, honey. So you fly by the seat of your pants. But it's... um. At the end of it, now these are kind of, these are obsolete, but I, see this? This is called a transcript cover. And court reporters are responsible for buying all their own equipment. And these, which were like a hundred bucks a box, we used to pay for the, um, the cough, uh, we'd buy the paper. It would be like 10 reams for like 130 yeah, bucks. Yeah, uh, my, my daughter is a teacher and, you know, she, as we know, a lot of public school teachers have to do the same thing, right? They have to buy exactly. the crayons. And the, she's always going to Staples to buy something or other. Right, she, right. My cousin worked in a very poor community. She was buying breakfast items for the kids. Oh, yeah. But I don't think you can do that anymore. Now, what you about, know? what? here's a question. What about what you charge if you're doing, say, a deposition? How does... I don't, you know, I don't need to know exactly what it costs, but it, do you have certain regulations as to what it can can go uh, go for? Well, that's the free market, the deposition, the court, everything statutorily, you know. Um, and in common, I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say it. Just say it, Diane. It's your podcast for crying out loud. Sounds like I'm bitching, but guess what? what in 1988, the page rate, was ch was changed. It went up to three dollars per page. In twenty twenty two, it's three dollars per page. <laughs> and you didn't well, mishear me. Yeah, you didn't. No, no, no. I I, I believe you. I'm in a similar business, uh, radio broadcasting. Uh, we, it's very rare that people get raises and they stick. But you're saying that that's what almost thirty five years. Literally, yeah. it's thirty two years. You have not yeah. had a, a 
pay raise. Yeah. And all our expenses have gone up, although the mitigating factor is we don't really buy paper anymore and we don't buy the transcript covers. Although I just did a, um, a beautiful um, ceremony for a judge that was retiring and they asked me to be the court reporter and to type up the proceedings. It went on for just about an hour. There were a lot of nice speeches. Now that I will send it to the judge in digital form, but I also will furnish the court to keep in, you know, in perpetuity, as well as the judge to have his own. I will print it out. He's a great guy. You know him, Judge Cosgrove. Oh, he's a wonderful guy. Oh, my God, I love him. And I'm going to put it in this old-fashioned, it looks like a book report cover. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to give one to the court so they'll always have it. And that's a nice thing. And when they get inducted, like this is an induction ceremony. The audience can't see this, but you and I can. This is just a transcript of an induction, and this is what it looks like. I just happened to have an old copy of one that was kicking around. When judges come on the bench, they have a beautiful induction ceremony. I think I might have talked about this once on mm -hmm. another podcast. Mm -hmm. Jordan, every sit they're open to the public. Any every citizen should see one. They're really they're they're beautiful. And you're you there know? to capture the the text, all that's being you said. You hire a court reporter to come in and do ah, it. Gotcha. Okay. And they read it's like old English. You know, they pull it looks reminds me of like in the Wizard of Oz, you know, like the mayor of Munchkinville, like, I, I don't mean to belittle it, I'm not, but I mean, they, they read this old <laughs> English, it's really nice. It's and very nice. I, and then one judge will, like, hand his seat number off to the incoming judge. Sometimes it's really nice. It's a beautiful, and then there's a lot of judges, I think, I'd say at least two dozen, and they come in black robes, and they line up and file in, and it's, it's a gorgeous thing. Let me ask you uh, a question that comes in from a listener. About, you know, the, the actual day-to-day -day work in the midst of a trial, uh, the fact is you have to pay for a lot of things, including the equipment, including the servicing of the equipment. Somebody wants to know what happens if your machine breaks down. What do you do then? Well, you always have to have extra. Like, funny, I was just on a couple of weeks ago, right before Christmas, I was on a murder trial, and this court officer walked by me. I have this big thing, like, on wheels, and he said to me, you have too much stuff. I said, well, because I don't have an office in the building, I need two sets of everything in case something Back up, yeah. dies in the yeah. middle. I would just say to the judge, Your Honor, may I just have a moment for an equipment adjustment? And they're always nice about it. They'll say yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll just, you know, change the whatever is wrong. But there, you know, things like that, electronic machinery that you use every day, they're sensitive. Like, look at all the stuff you have in the in in your room there. In That's the studio, yeah. And, and no, no, no. And and it's a specific item that not every. You just don't bring it down to the local, um, I don't know, garage where you fix your car. I mean, these are some specialized pieces of equipment. Jordan, this is such a streamlined uh, profession. There's only a few places. Like, I have a couple of. I call them wounded puppies. Transcribers. Mm -hmm. They're out in Dictation Mall in Minnesota right now. And then I have two other recorder machines that are out in somewhere in the Midwest, like near Chicago. Those are being looked at. And it's $50 a pop for each just of them to look at them. So, I mean, it goes on and on and on. There's so many aspects to this. And we've covered a few, but there are more that are, are sort of being discovered. And one of them has to be the tedious nature of this. Because we've you've talked about what skill sets you need, uh, listening to everything so intently. But talk a little bit about the tedium. You you mentioned a map 
that uh, somebody presented in the trial, the murder trial in Brockton? Okay, I just did a murder trial recently, this fall, and it was in Brockton. And which which is times, a suburb south of Boston, should be yeah, sure. it's a city. city. Yeah, and because the it took the murder took place in downtown Brockton, and they were for instance yesterday I woke up, and about I think at around it was Sunday ten o'clock I started to proof it. I finished at nine last night, so you live it three times. You sit through the trial, then you transcribe it, and then you proof it. And I mean these are. These are life felonies, and this is going to the appellate court. It's important. So you have to really be on your game and, and, and make sure that that is the best humanly possible document that you're going to turn in. It's, a, it's really important, and I have a lot of pride in it, and I care, as well as all the other court reporters I know. We, contrary to what people think when we're running around the courthouse, they think we're prima donnas. You know, like, well, they'll say to us sometimes, you're double dipping. You know, you're getting money for the transcript and for work. The whole thing is just whatever. But just to give you an idea, think about when you're typing. When you type, when you're on like page 20, you've kind of had it, haven't you? Oh, God. Try page 10 or five. Last week, in the last week, I typed, hand typed, 287 pages. Hmm. That's a novel. You just did a novel there. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But But Jordan... Now, yesterday, when I started to proof, there was one street, Elm Court. How would you do that? E-L-M-C-T period? I did. I was wrong. I did two words, Elm and then uppercase C, court. Oh, you thought it was two words. I would have assumed two words, too. It's one word, and it's lowercase, E-L-M-C-O-U-R-T. I kept thinking they kept saying Elm Street, because I know there's a West Elm Street, in Brockton, it was L Street, like the letter L. Uh, so I had to look on, I had to find a map online and look where they would, and there was a street they kept referring to, Fredless Douglas Ave. I just put Douglas, D-O-U-G-L-A-S. There were two S's on this street. Um, then I had to look up a company they kept talking about because the, the people walked by this particular, it had nothing to do with the crime. It's just a, as a point of reference, they walked by the front of this building Compumax. I couldn't tell if they were saying Compumat, like it was a laundry, or I put a hyphen. It had no hyphen. uh, It's so interesting you say that because in my world, uh, I do voice work for clients all over the country, and there are times we don't know how to pronounce a word that's written out. So what we'll do is we'll call the local library or police station or even call the news paper or whatever to find out or the company itself because these are important things you're taking it the other way you're writing down what people have said and sometimes they mumble and don't exactly come across too clearly well for instance now here's another thing when you get in a courtroom it's the start of the trial right jordan right like people that that person asked me like what do you do when you get there the first thing you do is look for the bar of gold which is the witness list. That's gold to a court reporter. It has every single spelling of everyone that's going to be mm. on the. Now, yeah. another thing that you have to ask for, you got to think of, ask for the card of the defense counsel. So on the appearance page, you can put the proper address and, you know, all that. Half the time they're like, I'm sorry, I don't have a card. So like the other day, I had to Google this lawyer that was on the trial, make sure it was him and then add his credentials in. 
So, I mean, it takes a lot of time. Well, accuracy is is absolutely primo. It's got to be done accurately because it's justice at bay. And you talk about living a case not once, not twice, but three times. What does that mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Jordan, now check this out. But wait, explain what that means, living a case three times. What are those three oh, times? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you sit through it in real time. That's real time. Right. Then you transcribe it. And then the, you've only just begun at that point. You have to listen to the whole thing in its entirety to prove it. Again, mm. you go through it three times. Then you have to add a word index. Then you have to bill it. You have to send it to the court. You have to send it to the lawyer. You have to wait for the approval to get paid. Then you have to submit more paperwork. It, there's many, many steps. It's a big deal. It's like, take mm. some, check this out, Jordan. See this? Yes. Is what that, do you make of this, just from looking at it? Uh, exhibit 74. Lots of okay. numbers, lots of exhibits. Lots of, I have no idea what that means. You know what this is? Swab, wait a minute, swab of red-brown stains on left sneaker. Looks like blood samples. Yeah. Is it DNA, STR results? Yep, yep. This, I, look at them all, look at we had about four or five. This murder trial I just did in October or whenever it was this fall. Look at them all. So are you transcribing those as well? Yes. The, now, the, the the lab people, they have four to five lab people plus a medical examiner on murders. The lab people, God love them. They know their stuff so inside out that they forget we're not attuned to speaking like that every day. And they're going two mi 200 miles an hour. And I was smart enough to get copies of these for my transcription purposes, because otherwise, oh, my God, because look at it, Jordan. They're just TYS 24. <laughs> I mean, you know, allele just, below threshold, known saliva. We don't talk like that in real no, life. No, and they do talk quickly. And that's their job they they know it inside and out but they for your for your job you have to do a little extra homework and that's a great idea uh, hey know, i did a pretty good job figuring out what that was right junior <laughs> detective yes you did okay just want to let people know yeah. so but this is what i do see this i make myself a folder for every case see it mm -hmm. and yes. i have on it the days i was there now i already transcribed one volume that's the red check so i know i already did that then I have the appellate. That's another thing. You have to find out who the appellate lawyer is. You have to get his email. You have to get his NAC number. That's his notice of assignment. You can't do anything without a NAC number. Mm -hmm. It's notice of assignment of counsel that the state will give an appellate lawyer. That's like the key to everything. I can't submit anything mm -hmm. without a NAC. Sometimes you search high and low for NACs. Well, I think but we're learning already not that we didn't suspect this, and people can listen and understand this very clearly, that there's a whole lot more to the job of a court reporter who is a pro, such as Diane, than meets the eye, as we're finding out. But let me ask you about another issue, and that is delays. There are all kinds of reasons for a trial procedure to be delayed. And what are some of the more common ones? Okay. I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but this happens all the time. The HABE, which is the piece of paper sent out from the court to the jail saying, hey, on this day, we need this defendant for court mm -hmm. proceedings. The HABE will somehow get lost in translation. They either 
forget to send the Habe, or they say they didn't receive. Can the you Habe. spell Habe? Uh, what is that? H a b e. It's Habeas Corpus. Oh right, okay. Latin. And it Thank means, you. I think it means to bring the body or something. Don't yeah. quote me. Look it up in like Black's Law Dictionary. Yeah. But you'd be surprised at how many Latin words are used in court every single day. Oh, it's all based on the the Latin language. And they so use much it. it. Yeah. So the Habe. So you're saying that they they don't look at it and what happens when they don't look at it appropriately well let me just say they're very conscientious believe me and they have tons of habes but they slip through the cracks all the time and and you know what with all respect to transportation the sheriff they'll like we were supposed to start a trial this past fall in a courthouse way down by cape cod and i got there and i set all up and that's a long haul for me it's like 90 miles i get there i set up they took the defendant from a few miles away where she was housed and brought her up to Worcester, Mass. Oh, God. That's a schlep. Now, you're laughing because you're from Mass. You know what a fault Oh, my out. God. That's a huge mistake. And then, so you're sitting there, everyone's waiting, and there's no defendant. Okay. We had to call it till the next day because by the time they turned around and brought her down, the day would have been like basically over. So she had a, a nice field trip for herself. That was about all that yeah. came out of that. Okay. That's not a rare occurrence. And I'm not saying that they're, they're lax. They're not. They do their level best, but it happens. They're moving tons of people every day. Mm -hmm. So that happens. Sometimes we can't go forward because the family hasn't brought proper clothes for the defendant. He's in like a Department of Correction orange jumpsuit. And, you know, you need street clothes. I mean, I remember back in the day, a law lawyers now and again would would wait and they'd run down Filene's basement and grab some clothes and run back up the street. Ah, the good old days, Filene's basement, now yeah. a Roach Brothers supermarket. What are you going to do? The time marches on, but you're right. It them, yeah, it made wow. them look like a million bucks. Doll them up and bring them in the courtroom. Yeah, that orange jumpsuit uh, is is a dead giveaway that somebody's done something or allegedly done something, and it, it makes sense. Hey, um, a question that always comes up, and I don't know of anybody who's not curious about this. Let's say uh, it's a long day, trial's going on, and it's before lunch, and uh, Diane has had her third cup of coffee, and uh, you know nature might be calling out and screaming out. What happens then? Jordan. My my kidneys are shot from the job, okay? That's all I can tell you. Because, but first of all, it's my fault, too, because I cannot. I'm a true Bostonian. Dunkin' Donuts every morning on the way to the court. Coffee regular. There we go. Yep. You know, so I have had my leg. I've shook my leg for an hour before. I mean, you think you're going to die. And then when you finally get the break, the jury goes out and you think you can run to the restroom. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss, counsel? They'll go on for like 15 minutes. Oh. During the break. It's like, oh, dear God, I just want to go to the bathroom. And, you know, with all respect to judges, because I love judges, I think they somehow forget. They walk about eight paces and they have a perfectly private, their own bathroom, as they should. They forget that the rest of us are lined up waiting to use a bath it takes your whole break it's yeah like crazy. it's like an intermission at the theater floor. yeah everyone's exactly. going to the bathroom at the same time boy that you know, i'm impressed that you can hold your own as well as you well, do well one time i mean i had worked there for years and years and one time after a long 
proceeding. We were waiting for the jurors to enter to start to pick a jury. And I, it's like dead time. It's like 10 minutes of dead time. I turned to the judge and told her I was going to use the bathroom and she yelled at me. And Jordan, I didn't mean to be disrespectful to her, but she just ticked me off. I'm like, I'm a middle-aged woman. I need to use that bathroom and there's no reason for it. She doesn't know what's going on with me. I said to her, but I'm using the bathroom. And I went out to the bathroom and Mm -hmm. I was shaking. I was so upset. And there was a court officer banging on the door going, the judge wants to talk to you. But can I tell you something? She was all apologetic, but I don't think they realize that there's a human sitting there. Um, Not all of them. I should never generalize. Most of them are just unbelievably terrific human beings. But um, I know one of them, when they decided they were going to put the FTR system in the court system, one, a colleague told me that one day she was called out of her office to go do a hearing that wasn't on the, you know, it wasn't scheduled, but the, it the was FTR, fine. just explain again for those who just joined us, FTR. Fuck the record. Thank you. That's what we call it. And we I can say that. No, it, 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 it's okay. That's what we call it. Yeah. But it, it is a, it's a, it's a system that they implemented. The state decided, and hey, they run the show. We don't. They put it in every courtroom to record the proceedings, and that's why we all lost our jobs. Okay, FTR. Even though I still work there as a vendor. It's a crazy thing. All right. Well, we, we but, just wanted to make that clear. Okay, so the judge in this case apologized so to you. my colleague tells me. Oh, yeah, that's a different Now, fast forward to another unrelated. My This colleague tells me one day. She said, Diane, I got called up to the courtroom. And naturally, I have to stop my computer, you know, belt, you know uh, boot it up to start. Mm-hmm. And the judge looks at her and says, oh, that's okay. We're going to go with the machine. You can just jump in when you're ready. And it just really hurt her feelings in so many, like she didn't even want to wait a minute for her. Mm. And and it just spoke volumes of what little regard she had for our profession, in my opinion and in my colleague's opinion. And and judges, because they're judges, have the uh, ability, the power to to move things in a different direction on the spot if they feel the need. And you have to be Johnny or Janie on the spot to follow along, right? Yeah, but I'll tell you one thing, there were so many of them that were so opposed to this machine, they had no say in it. Mm-hmm. And they value court reporters tremendously. So, you know, but this same judge said to the same court reporter once, after all, we don't have to, she said, machines don't have to take bathroom breaks. Somebody was obviously very opposed to natural <laughs> progression of, of liquids as Diane takes a swig from her coffee. Good for you, Diane. But, I mean, does that, I don't know if I, I feel funny sometimes saying stuff like that because I really don't want to. No, you're t- you know, everyone can identify in their own workspace with situations that happen to everybody. It just so happens to be under pressure in a courthouse, but it can happen to anybody. I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. And that's what makes you so lovable, Diane. Well, thank you, George. <laughs> because people can identify with you. Let's talk about what's coming up this year for the podcast. We've got some great ideas. You've got some terrific guests lined up and topics and some super duper interesting cases, don't you? Well, yeah. And, you know, um, Joe Sharkey has just, I didn't tell you this, Jordan, Joe Sharkey, the author who we had on Earlier, he wrote about the Chuck Stewart case in Boston. Mm-hmm. He's coming on and he's going to discuss a, um, a book he wrote about a true crime that happened in a coal mining place in, in uh, Appalachia. 
which they made a major motion picture about. It was an FBI agent assigned to that coal miner area. And he had a lover who he murdered. Mm. He was on assignment down there. So he's, you know, he'd love to come back on cases that I've been on that I'd like to talk about. Excellent. Excellent. It's a new year and we wish everyone happy and healthy tidings in the new year. But one thing is for sure, Diane, criminals will still be at it and you'll be involved in making sure justice is meted out one way or the other. Yes. And and for the love of God, can people, if they're so inclined, just drop us a line. We want to know what you're doing, how you're doing. What would you like to see? Just You know, it would be nice to connect. And the way to do that is the best email address, allrisediane at gmail.com. Allrisediane at gmail.com. This was great. Nice way to kick off the new year. Thank you, my love. See you around, Jordan. This is Diane Godfrey. This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. If you need legal representation, please consult an attorney. I do not have a law degree. Over the years, many people have contacted me seeking legal advice. I am not qualified to dispense any legal advice. Before we close the courtroom door on this podcast, we remind you that All Rise with Diane Godfrey is available on all podcast platforms. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast. You've been listening to All Rise with Diane Godfrey. True stories from inside the courthouse from the lady who wrote everything down. Case dismissed.